Welcome to Drafting Compliance. I'm Kane, he's Tom, and we're talking about regulatory compliance and as well as beer, Tom? Always beer. It is, it is now officially a show staple that we are going to be talking about beer. And just beer so and we, FedRAMP, no less. Yep. Just so we get into FedRAMP on the proper groove, I think we should crack the beer right now. We should talk okay. just a minute about what we're going to subject you to today, Kane. This is, <sighs> this is straight out of your country. This is straight out of Bend, Oregon, so up there in the great northwest. Hopefully yep. people can see it here. It's, the, it's uh, Black, Black Ute, Ute Porter. Porter. So the nice thing about porters are they're a hearty drink. They're, a porter is literally named after the people that they were made for. So back in the day when they were porters moving goods about cities, this was the drink that was produced. So they would be able to go on for hours and hours. So it was meant to have sustenance. So let's take a look at what this beer looks like, and it's going to look Are a lot. Are you saying you've been different. working a lot on FedRAMP, Tom? Because it sounds like you know, if you if you're having to drink one of these for hours and hours of work. Now I'm not a porter; I just drink it. Oh, okay. All right. Am I doing this right yet? I can't. Yeah. Mine to looks delicious. Foam up like yours quite yet. Well, that's oh, I think uh, that was the shape of the cup, but that's not bad at all. Than, yeah. Better than last time. At least it didn't overflow. All right, King. Give me your uh, impression of the look. So I'm going to hold this up to the, to the, I've got like a light and everything there. Um, that looks like it's pure black. Yeah, it's opaque um, for sure. So if you're, if you're familiar with opaque. like a Guinness, it's probably not quite as dense, but it's, it's very similar. It's, it's it certainly doesn't pour as thick as a, as a Guinness, but okay. it has an, again, it has a nice foam head on the top, which we like to see. Let's smell it. So I get chocolate notes. I don't know about you. Well, it's not offensive. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's it's nice to see that Ken find, finds something I mean, not it, offensive. I, I will say this. I will say this. If my house smelled like this, I would be offended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's got yeah, chocolatey is... coffee notes. I'm gonna. Uh, nope. Not not getting any of those notes. Um, oh really? Some kind of like spice, like a baking spice. Hmm. Maybe a little vanilla in there for sure. No, now I get the uh, what are those things? Malted caramel. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There be, there's see that's what makes a beer like this as as dark as it is is there's heavily roasted malted or heavily roasted um, grains in it, so malt, heavily okay. roasted malt. So let's, right, let's well, give gonna, it a taste. I'm going to try it and see how this goes, and then we'll talk about the authorization boundary. I think you like it. <laughs> <laughs> so let me go first. This has a nice mouthfeel. It's a little creamy. It, uh, it definitely invites you back for another drink. Suckers so. you in is the phrase you're looking for. It's uh, it's it's definitely uh, you know, if I needed any, it probably puts a little hair on the chest though, so it does have a, a little bitter taste. Certainly not what we had with Anchor Steam. Um, 
You got nothing? <laughs> kinder than you're, uh, yeah, like I say, suckers you in. The the nose on this was um, very gentle compared to the taste. The uh, the taste is kind of uh, reminds me of Starbucks coffee actually, which um, is overly roasted and burned tasting to me. Yeah. Uh, this this tastes kind of charcoaly to me. Yeah. There's definitely a, a coffee flavor to it. I don't think anybody would argue that. I still taste the chocolate. You know, to a practice taste bud, this would be just a little sweet. And I taste a little sweet. I still think we need to do a show about red wine. <laughs> well, that'll be the next one. So let's talk some FedRAMP. <laughs> so let's talk about FedRAMP. Today we're talking about the uh, authorization boundary, Tom, right? We are. Yep. Which and is so at a high level. Let's talk about what is an authorization boundary. Sure. I alluded to this a little bit on the on the prior episode where we talked about the idea of an enclave. Yeah. So, you know how I like to think of the authorization boundary as it is the cornerstone to your FedRAMP program. So it is very difficult to think about the controls you have to put in place without first having an authorization boundary down. So it essentially it defines the scope of your FedRAMP project. So without it, without it, you're sort of just, you know, looking at a bunch of infrastructure, looking at a bunch of applications, but you're not, you're not able to nail down uh, exactly where you need to go and focus, right? So yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think in prior conversations I've had with companies in the space, uh, a common question I've had to put down, I'd, I'd love to hear your take on, is why the whole company like can't be in the authorization boundary. Because it's often hard to figure out. So why can't we just put the entire hyperproof into our authorization boundary, Tom? Yeah. Well, I certainly think you could choose to do that, but I would never choose to do that. The, there's really a couple factors that I, I would say that put bumpers around you. The first is you want to consider customer data flow. So, mm -hmm. you know, in our case, we're, a, a, again, a SaaS platform. So we have customer data flowing in and out of our platform. That re really defines the, the length and depth of our boundary. But it's a little deeper than just, hey, a customer's on one side and our platform's on the other, right? We have a bunch of integration points that we have to take into consideration. You know, because we're a cloud-first application, cloud-first platform, we have to be very thoughtful about all of the, the different integrations that we have. And we probably have more than the average enterprise has uh, with our platform. So that's mm -hmm. significant. That checks out. Yeah. And the other thing is, is you don't want to bring uh, scrutiny into pieces of your organization that you don't need to for FedRAMP because of all of the continuous monitoring requirements and continuous audit requirements that come with it. So really so those are the two so you're big you're definitely reasons. listing some control decisions there that we're making to say what actually will be subject to and must comply with those controls. So um, I guess another way of thinking about this is what would determine if something would be in the boundary or what would specifically exclude something in the boundary? For example, you, you mentioned we have a lot of integrations. Um, let me do a what if with you. So what if we have an integration with some company and they don't have a FedRAMP version of their solution? Are they going to be in the boundary or are they going to be out of the boundary? Well, the answer is it depends. So you, you look at it. <laughs> you could be a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a consultant. So you would look at that application and you would say, first of all, what is the kind of data that flows through it? And what is the kind of access into the platform that comes with that application? Certainly if there's customer data that flows between it, so potentially it's a ticketing system or something similar like that, then uh, it needs to either be in boundary or be FedRAMP certified in and of itself. In the case where 
you have that integration and it doesn't check the it checks the data flows into it, but it doesn't check hmm. the aspect of being FedRAMP certified, you're going to want to look for a different solution. You you do you do have the ability with some applications to bring them into boundary, uh, meaning if it's a if the, for instance, there's an application ticketing system called Jira. Jira happens to be FedRAMP certified, but if it wasn't, you have the ability to potentially install Jira within your within your boundary and and run an installed instance rather than the cloud instance. If you did that, you would extend your own controls then to that application. Mm -hmm. So you have some variability underneath it, but the important thing to understand is you have to get it FedRAMP certified if your customer data flows to it. If the customer data flows through it, just to be clear. So yeah. if, okay, all right. So um, I think you also, uh, I think you ginned up an illustration here of what a FedRAMP authorization boundary could look like. And while you load that up, something I've often seen is this will be a, a part of an, a secure system security plan, that SSP document that we referred to on the previous episode. Um, Tom, that is kind of small. Any chance you could embiggen that for us, please? Yeah, I'll do my best. And I'll, and I'll just remind Pretty you sure that you're- Sure, is a technical term. I'll just remind you that you're viewing a document that's different than what folks will be viewing, so. Of course. Thank yep. you. Yep. So uh, you'll see here, you'll see uh, this is a pretty simple document. It's one that I put together just as an example. So it's, it's simplified uh, significantly, but it has the main components. So you'll notice that big, thick red line in this drawing that represents the authorization boundary. So anything that falls within that is within our authorization boundary, unless it's an external integration, so a system that we don't have control of, and in which case you'll see that it has a little FR built on top of it. And that signifies if it is, in, if, if it is FedRAMP um, certified. So the green line is anything within our own um, data center the red line is anything that we integrate directly to that is FedRAMP certified. Okay. And then outside of the boundary, you'll see, you know, for instance, we have access in for devs and admins. This isn't ours, but this is an example. We have access in for users. So in both cases, we're using an MFA solution that is FedRAMP certified. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice the, the color of the lines indicate that those are TLS 1.2 um, certified. So there's a, a level of encryption on them. You'll also see down at the bottom, there's a key. Um, this is a requirement of, of FedRAMP that you- of the illustration that would go in the SSP, right? You got it. Right. It, it's a requirement. So I want to ask, a, I want to ask a question actually about those illustrations, the, the company devs and the administrators uh, and the users who are outside of the FedRAMP boundary. Um, and this perhaps speaks to my experience with the Department of Defense. Um, often you'll hear arguments around using a VDI, a virtual desktop infrastructure, or actually using an entirely separate physical device uh, so that CUI, CUI, controlled unclassified information, cannot flow into uh, that device that is not necessarily itself uh, in a state of continuous compliance is required by FedRAMP. Is that a consider, or um, by DOD specifications, is that a requirement here under uh, FedRAMP? It, it's a requirement that you have, you have separate access for elevated privilege. So yes, in the, in this case, um, in, in the case of our build out, we're going to have admins and devs that connect from outside to have what I call a jump box. 
on the inside of the boundary in which they have access to all of that information. Okay, so not a, a VDI, but a jump box or a bastion host. Got yep. it. All right. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. So it's definitely a consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I will say that the the move to work at home has put pressure on this part of the of of the of the regulation. So there are people trying to find workarounds on this. I'm telling you, if you want to pass audit and you want to make it easy on yourself, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to work around that. Yeah, that checks out. I think that we've also already talked about the idea that FedRAMP moderate assumes you're going to fail, whereas you said uh, guilty until proven innocent yep. as their default stance. So um, I think that's a good idea to not have any workarounds. Are there any other subtleties here? Like, is, is this a good level of detail that you'd put into an SSP um, looking at this for FedRAMP? Well, well, certainly the elements are here, but this is super simplified. So when you build your own authorization boundary, you're obviously going to have additional items that fall both inside of your company boundary, the green line, and that fall inside the red line. So for instance, you might have an analytics platform that integrates with your application. Well, that would fall in there. You might have several monitoring services that are external, not internal, that will fall in there. There might be additional tools, uh, maybe an EDS platform that falls internally. Um, so you have to think about everything. And certainly in our case, there is 70 some integration points that we have to consider that aren't depicted on this. I, I just didn't, I, I didn't want to take the time nor show our secret sauce. So <laughs> oh, that's completely reasonable. I think for us not to show how we're going to specifically do our authorization boundary. Correct. But what I'm hearing is that this illustration will be likely more complex and also imagine in the SSP you'd need the system security plan you'd need to have supplementary documentation on each one of these things those IDS the sim the managed active directory for example that yep that's correct here's the important thing is you identify every item you label what that item is you label where in the boundary it falls and you label how it is managed in terms of entry and exit through the boundary. So in this case, it's all managed through a firewall. And then you have to denote within your key all of the uh, variable pieces that fall in, in the diagram. So I guess then in, the, in just thinking of the level of detail you've got here and the number of integrations, I imagine a big part of producing this illustration then is deciding is a system in or is a system out. And that determination, as you said earlier, was if customer data are flowing through it and if it's FedRAMP itself. Is that about fair? You've got it. Yep. We want to be particularly careful anytime there's customer data flow. So, you know, here's what's the other thing that's probably important to denote is there's really three drawings associated with your authorization boundary. There's the infrastructure drawing. That's what you're looking at here. There is a data flows diagram, which you actually denote how the data flows. So for instance, if if I have data that flows from the SaaS application out to the ticketing system, I would show that data flow. I would show if it's one way or two way. Mm -hmm. Equally, if I have data that flows from the SaaS application down to managed AD or SIM or IDS, I show that and I show the the directional flows. So on every piece of it, you have to understand how your data flows. And the data we are talking about is your customer data. And that is not necessarily CUI. That's just customer data that are that are flowing through. You got it. 
Okay, fantastic. Well, I think I, that's probably enough for today's episode. Um, I suppose the only other question, Tom, and perhaps we can front run the next show before we talk about how we're going to rate these beers. Um, what's the next step after you create your you create your authorization boundary and you've gone through that gap analysis? What's the what's the following step? Yeah, so you really need to build a project plan around your your um, total assessment. So. Mm-hmm. That, that's where I've spent the, the bulk of the last, I would say, two and a half weeks is, is starting to build that program out and, and we'll have it in a position where we can talk about it. Um, certainly, it's, it's all about how do I get what seems like a deep well of controls, right? It's a, you know, you talk about boiling the ocean, this is the ocean. How do I, how do I take that? How do I take that and break it down into manageable pool size boils, right? And, and that's really, what the next step is for us. So taking 325 controls and mapping out how we're going to get there. Fantastic. Well, I think that'll probably be a topic we can cover down as well as any unexpected roadblocks or obstacles we come up with. And um, I think the last thing we have to do is, is talk about uh, ratings on this. So I've, I've always again, drank way more of my beer than you, Kane. I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think mine had more head and it's just shrunk. That's yeah. gotta be it. <laughs> so, so again, the rating scale is a one to 10 where a one is something that I'd probably never want to have again. And a 10 is something I'd actually have in my fridge if I was having friends. Is that the agreed upon rating scale? I think that's fair. Okay, fantastic. This is a two. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to be, it, I mean, it, some people like burned coffee. I'm not sure why yeah. I don't. Um, your, your grouping like at beer. two is going to get busy. Um, <laughs> I'll say this again. This is a wonderful beer for cold nights by the fire. Uh, it has a lot of character, so it's not the kind of beer that you're going to want to necessarily pair with, you know, a ton of different meals. Maybe a steak it would be okay with, but uh, I think this one stands alone. So that's how I would drink it. Um, I will keep this in my fridge. I've often had this beer in my fridge, so th- this is probably around a seven, eight for me. We'll we'll call it seven and a half. Okay, I'm looking forward to eventually the uh, chart that we have showing all of our respective ratings. But that's all the time we have for today, everyone. So thanks for watching. Again, this has been Drafting Compliance Paperproof. Uh, Until next time, uh, enjoy your journey to FedRAMP. Thank you all.